Mountains of Christmas ornaments. <clears throat> anyway. I love Hey, this. guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books from Book Talk, Bookstagram. You know, if there's a good book, we're going to talk about it, especially if it's an SJM book because, you know, that's what we do. Um, we're your Book Talk besties, and we are here today to give not thoughts and feelings because we already filmed those in our reactions, two episodes, might I add. But we are talking about the summary for House of Flame and Shadow, the newest book in the Crescent City series, so Crescent City 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to go through what happened in that book. But of course, I'm Caitlin. We got Hilda and Bridget here. Gang's all here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we are doing our best to give you the summary and what happened in this book. And we're going to do it a little – I'm not going to say unconventionally for us because we've done this before in the past. But – in writing up our notes, you realize there's so many POVs that shift and happen congruently as you're reading a story, like several things are happening at once. So we thought the best way to do this is to break it up by storyline. So it will, I think, within that storyline, so for example, Rune and Lydia, we're going to take you through chronological order of what happened with them. It's just not chronologically, like you got Rune and Lydia, we got Therian on his bullshit. You know, like we're going back and forth. So we're just going to try to keep it. By by POV. Therion on his bullshit. What a saying. Someone put that on a sticker because. <sighs> Therion is yeah, the yes. definition of failing up. Yeah, that really works out in his favor every time. Somehow. One fucking lucky merman. <laughs> it's the red hair. It's like his luck of the, the Irish. That, I don't know if they have. Sure. Name, but... Luck of the Irish. Yes. Um, luck of the ginger. Luck of the ginger. There we go. Now, we said I said it before. I'll say it again. Spoiler alerts. Actually, I don't think I said it yet. So I'm going to say it now. Spoiler warnings. Spoiler alerts. We're talking anything from the SJM universe. So Throne of Glass, Crescent City. Just in case. I'm just prefacing this. I mean, we're largely going to say to this book. But, you know, sometimes we love a tangent. Throne of Glass, Akatar, Crescent City. You've been warned. Obviously, we're going to go into what happened in this book. So if you don't want to be spoiled or you haven't read it yet, hang on tight. Go check out another episode of ours. Maybe the reactions or the first 50%. You can come back and then give us your thoughts and feelings. So, ladies, I don't know what else is there to say about this book. We've That's already given our thoughts and right. feelings before. But maybe we'll talk with our overdramatic dramatic book synopsis. Let's go. First. We'll do it. <clears throat> it's been a while since I've done one of these. I have to mute. <laughs> you know, I was like trying to get to the button fast enough. I saw you. You're like, panic. <laughs> And scene. Bryce Quinlan never expected to see a world other than Midgard, but now that she has, all she wants is to get back. Everything she loves is in Midgard, her family, her friends, her mate. Stranded in a strange new world, she's going to need all her wits about her to get home again. And that's no easy feat when she has no idea who to trust. Hunt Athelar has found himself in some deep holes in his life, but this one might be the deepest of all. After a few brief months with everything he ever wanted, he's in the Asteri's dungeons again, stripped of his freedom and without a clue as to Bryce's fate. He's desperate to help her, but until he can escape the Asteri's leash, his hands are quite literally tied. In the sexy, breathtaking sequel to the number one bestsellers House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath, Sarah J. Mass's Crescent City series reaches new heights as Bryce and Hunt's world is brought to the brink of collapse, with its future resting on their shoulders. I'm sorry, can we just laugh? 
about in a sexy, breathtaking sequel. What part of this book was sexy, ma'am? Bridget and I both made the same face. We're like, what? Like, this was the least sexy book ever. They got some sexy time in, but... Did they? Yeah. They had a reunion sex, I'm assuming. Eventually. yeah. Like, gosh. Like, two-thirds of the way in. I think it was like 80, 90% of the way in. Sexy, breathtaking sequel. There was like 50% of this book was torture. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't say it was sexy. I mean, guts were like just falling out of bodies. Limbs are being chewed off voluntarily. Like, you know, it's, it wasn't, it's not what my definition of sexy. Let's say that. Um, Also, I feel like that book synopsis was like, I don't know. I'm like, this is, it did not a different book. It did not feel like the book that we read. No. I feel like the person who was writing it was like, I got my romantic rose colored glasses on. Let's make this sound like a very romantic, spicy book. No mention of the gang. The gang. Yeah. It's just Bryce and Hunt. It's always about Bryce and Hunt. Well, you know, it's Bryce's world. We're just living in it. Seriously. Okay. We're a material girl in the material (laughs) world, and that is Bryce's world. All right, Miss Hilda. That was a beautiful, you know, our, that was our a beautiful commentary rendition. aside. It was a beautiful rendition. You did great. It wasn't. It wasn't you. It's it's the writer. Oh, I, no, I was complimenting Bridget's singing. Oh, oh God, no, her <laughs> her <cutting> like that. <laughs> please don't. That was great. Like on the spot, Material Girl, Sarah J. Mass version. Okay, there's so many POVs. Caitlin already said that, so that's why we decided to break it up by POV. Also, full disclosure, I had a really hard time writing this recap. I think I'm getting sick. I blame the astral energy. And also, we've talked about this so much that I think we actually have like HOFAS hangover. We have a HOFAS hangover. I haven't been able – it wasn't until today that I finally was able to read. It's been like a two solid weeks of anything but reading. Same. I haven't picked up a single book. Now, I know Bridget's like, I'm on my 10th book of the, of the week. I know. But I have not read a single thing. I, almost I could not. It was not even a good enough book for me to be like, this was worthy of a hangover. So I was just like, screw it. We're going to power through. I don't know if it's a hangover, but it's like um, – It's, it's fatigue. fatigue. It is fatigue. You're like exhausted just from like reading that entire book to get like zero – good outcome Mm, mm -hmm. and you're just like fuck this i'm over it i'm unsettled yeah yeah it's just i'm un i'm unfulfilled i'm unfulfilled there we go i almost texted you today bridget and i was like can i just have a really dirty smutty book like a quick one like just a quick well you don't like katie robert that's usually who i like prefer oh i know her like first book i started reading midnight ruin because we're gonna cover that soon and i was just like oh (laughs) sorry i know you guys like her I read her for you, but I'm just like, there's just something that I don't vibe with her stuff for some reason. Anyways, neither here nor there. Feel free to cut that out. Um, no, it's staying. My singing is staying. Anyways, yeah, that's staying. So let's let's talk about the people that carried this book, okay? And if you know, you know, we're talking about Rune and Lydia, or actually Lydia and Rune. Yes, thank you. If it thank wasn't you. for them and their storyline, I think this book would have been an completely a disaster yeah but she carried the book she carried the book so she's the breakout star of the series she should get top billing anyways um so what's going on the guys are captured they're being tortured and lydia we have her we have more of her pov 
in this book, and Which she's I definitely. Loved. I loved hearing her. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you right off the bat. <laughs> you had like one, po- one point, and I'm like, and I have thoughts. But I loved her POVs in this, and that you saw her wheeling and dealing and masterminding. Yes. You only saw her through other people's eyes. We never really got to see necessarily what's behind the. Yeah, the, the, the wheels are turning. Yes, I'm like the wheels are turning, um, and how she's masterminding like quite artfully how she's yeah. going to play this whole thing out. She and, like, had controlling alien level masterminding, yeah, like, controlling her breath, her reactions, her facial features. Oh yeah, because um, they're related. I know. It's like James Bond we were- level shit, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I also appreciate the insights to like her emotional well-being throughout the book and her feelings towards Rune and how she had to put herself in that position with her kids and stuff like that. Felt like you got to see a lot of Lydia. Mm-hmm. And I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. We're Lydia fan club here. So anyways, back at the beginning, Rune is ignoring her. Like she's trying to connect with him via the mind bridge and he's just like, dark wall, not happening. She masterminds this entire escape plan. Like, she reaches out to Erethus, who's the queen of the fire sprites, and, like, checks with her to see if she's, like, the type of good person that would pull this off and be part of the plan. She goes to the Viper Queen to get, um, I guess, I don't know, something. But she knows that Tristan and Declan and the frat pack are all there. And so she basically tells them, like, I'm going to be rescuing Rune you need to help me. And the guys are all like, uh, and she's like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, if you don't help me, he's going to die. And also, here's the plan. You just have to show yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. She masterminds giving Baxian and Hunt first light injections into their wings. So they grow their wings back just enough that they can use them to escape. And she does it all under the guise of um, just the master torturer. And I mean, Honestly, we could go into a lot of details about what she did, but she's great. She even caused herself to get her period. Um, I was so just that, I was just remembering that, like even seeing the dynamic of her and Pollux, and Pollux. yeah, who's ugh, but fuck that guy, yeah, major fuck that guy. But also seeing their dynamic and how she's like, I cherished my cycle because it meant that like he didn't have to put his hands on her, and you're just like, ah, oh. yeah, because he's a misogynistic asshole and is like, yeah. oh, can't touch you if you're bleeding, yeah. <sighs> Fuck He's the guy. worst. Like he really is. Ugh. I'm trying just to think of like that. Ugh. Anyways. We're all just internally cringing, and we can see it on our faces. I know. So we're externally cringing as well. <laughs> so, anyways, we all know that Rune and took one for the team. He gets his hand chewed off by Baxian, so that he, they could he could try to swing closer to the weapons. And of course, they get caught right when that happens. So he like literally chewed his hand off for nothing. But the day of the escape comes and Lydia is basically carrying Rune. Like Hunt and Baxian have just enough energy that they can like take care of themselves. But Rune is like done. The losing of the hand, the losing of the blood, it's just way too much. And remember, the guys right. have he was all in been his tortured. Shackles yeah. that prevented him from healing too quickly. So like his the body hasn't even, yeah, hasn't even had time to fully recuperate where they got that first light injection. And now they're like Zipping around yeah. on their wings. Not zipping, but you Not know. zipping, but they they were in a better place than Rune right. was. Rune was not okay. Um, so, of course, she arranges a daring rescue, and it Ugh. gets to the point where she timed it perfectly so that 
the eternal city basically goes into lockdown and she's like zipping away in the jeep and so behind her the gates close so like nobody can come after her although Mordok and some of the dread wolves were able to get out um she knows this because this is where Declan and Flynn come in and they're basically watching via cameras so they're driving and they're going to I forget the name of the ship of the river queen no the ocean depth queen, charger. the depth charger um so they're going to a port city there's a battalion of angels that are following them in addition to the dread wolves and so she takes a weird turn and she basically tells hunt and baxian that they have to grab rune and fly to the depth charger and she's going to basically lead the dread wolves away when this happens oh, rune so loses his shit and he like finally realizes like what's going on because up until this point he had not spoken to her he was still pissed at her but i guess the thought of her potentially dying i like, think he said one thing and it was like spin. super mean he was like you're dead to me anyhow or something like that so that was like the only thing he said to her and then at the beginning at the yeah, beginning yeah. yeah but at this point when he realizes that she's going to go basically be bait um right. so they she's can gonna escape she's going to be the sacrifice so that they can get away he he loses his mind. So anyways, she races up a hill. Um, she has a confrontation with Mordok and two of these other dread wolves um, that have always worked under her. I will say that, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but I really hated Mordok and the conversations that he had with her, like calling her a cunt and just the language that they used was like so misogynistic. I was like, really like, fuck those guys. Like, I know that they're the villains, but it just like, it's almost like they're resented that they had to follow her because she was a woman. And so now that she turned out to be a traitor, they're getting way too much pleasure in the thought of potentially killing her. Oh, 100%. And she was considered the favored and she was higher than them for a little bit there as well. Oh, yeah. And she was a hind, like, in charge of a wolf pack. I guess, yeah. So like there was a, a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of. A balance of power. Yeah. Shifter classism. To them, right. To yeah. them, there was a balance of power. I want to so, say this was the best scene in the entire book. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I was more nervous about this part than I was at the ending and the high stakes and so oh, that. Yeah. This part, I was like, oh, God, they're going to get caught. Especially when you have um, the Fire Sprite Queen, and you did a beautiful job on her name. How did you call her? Ithris? Erethus? Erethus. Erethus also uses this as part of her plan um, as a distraction. She blows up the Eternal City. Right. I love this. Which is so great. And she escapes. She lit it up. Light it up. She did. And she makes her escape. So this is what helps... Her, uh, her being Lydia, getting the guys out of the dungeon and the lockdown that follows because she knows everyone's going to be trapped or going in the chaos of everything blowing up. The Assyria are going to be distracted because their food source, just primary food source buffet coming to them, just got blown up. So they're going to be a bit busy figuring that out and hopefully they wouldn't have noticed, but of course they did. So the guys, they get to the depth charger. They meet up with Therian, who's there, and the minute that Rune like touches down. He's like, you need to go save her. You need to go save her. So Therian being the merman superhero that he is, he like jumps into the water and he swims towards the cliffs. Lydia has her confrontation on the cliffs with Mordok and the other two asshole dread wolves and they shoot her. 
and it literally, SJM literally wrote, and Lydia died, or something like that. They made it seem final. When this happened, I fucking lost it. And Caitlin was ahead of us, and I texted her, and I was like, is she really dead? Like, part of me, part of me thought that she was really dead, because I was like, okay, this is, this is her perfect arc. Her story has come to an end. She sacrificed herself for the people that she loved or the person that she loved. I thought it was beautiful and I fucking lost it. And then lo and behold, two pages later, Therian, I guess he does have a use in this book. He saved her. Swim and roll Therian. <laughs> brought her back to the depth charger. She gets pumped full of first light. By this point, Hunt knows that he's able to use his lightning to restart hearts. Um, so he's able to like restart her heart and she's convalescing um, on the depth charger and Rune is by her side, even though he should probably be in his own hospital room, in his mm-hmm. own hospital bed being taken care of. He's like in a chair just like watching her. Anyways, yeah, which is I'm a little creepy. she came back because again, we had the words she died. And we also read the words her brain had splattered on a rock. And so like that's kind of hard to come back from you know first light it's one thing to be like completely intact and we got shot and the first light's gonna go there and charge it up but like to put back together pieces yeah i mean it's fantasy i i know i'm just you know it's like they just shoveled up her brain mather and just pumped her with some first light and it just like it'll sort itself out in there (laughs) right just let the first light do its thing well she must have been like in a coma for like two three days she was out of it for a while or however long a while is Anyways, um, she wakes up and she's like, where am I? And Rune's like, you're on the depth charger. And she like rips off all of like her IVs and she goes running. And we're like, what the hell is going on? And when I first read this, I was like, oh my God, she wants to get off the ship because she knows that like Mordok and the Dreadwolves and the Asteria are going to come after them because they know that she's on the ship. And she's I thought it was like a a panicked like, oh my God, we have to move. I'm going to throw myself off the ship just so that they don't find us. No. Lo and behold, she goes to the school that's on the ship and we find out that Lydia has two sons. They're like 13 or 15 years old. They're much older than I thought they'd be. And she had to give them up. So we eventually get that story that um, her father's family, who apparently her father is like a total dick, which again goes back to my earlier point in one of the reaction episodes. Like what's up with all the fathers sucking? in these series but whatever i digress it's like in disney um, when all the moms are not there yeah all the moms die in disney yeah all the dads are dickheads in sjm world except mm-hmm. for randall stepfathers apparently are safe so um we come to find out that she basically grew up with her father's family and they had a ritual which was very similar to cal and my aka calamini um from the Akatar world were like what um what's his face? Tampon Tamlin does in the Spring Court to regenerate the Spring Court's magic. Um there's a similar ritual that her father's people do. And lo and behold, she participated um after she had been working with the Asteri and she became pregnant. And once she realized she was pregnant, she was like, This is horrible. I don't want my children growing up in like this terrible world, doing these terrible things. She kind of has a change of heart. And the Ocean Queen basically gives her refuge for two years. 
and they made it seem like she had gotten kidnapped by Ophion. Yeah. So she was basically in hiding for two years and uh, she eventually had to give up the children. And ever since then, she's been working for the Ocean Queen as a double agent. Um, so she actually wasn't necessarily an Ophian agent. She was working for the Ocean Queen, which I thought was interesting. Right. Because I thought she was doing it for the cause. Ophian. Yeah. Right, Ophian. Um, and it was really interesting. There were a couple of things that were really interesting to me about the big reveal of how this happened. Because the entire time we thought, we're like, oh, God, is it Pollux? Like, that guy's a monster. Um, because she was working with them at the time. And she realized – you know, she says the father's of no consequence because it was just part of the ritual. And she knew right away when she got back that she was pregnant and she knew Pollux and everyone would be able to smell it on her because that's what the Fae do. And so she had to stage her own kidnapping, which goes back to what a, an amazing mastermind she actually is to be able to have the foresight to be like, I'm going to stage my own kidnapping and keep up the – you know you have to be sending like proof of life or something to someone to believe that you're alive and kidnapped. Like you can't just be kidnapped once and then people suddenly forget about you. Yeah. I'm sure they're launching rescue missions and all that. So she had to keep up that rat ruse uh, while pregnant and having babies. And it was interesting how she came to the river – I'm sorry, the Ocean Queen because she, it sounds like she just kind of like – I heard she'd taken people and I found her and she took me in. And so I was just – I was like, oh, it's that easy? <laughs> Just go to the water and plead our case and poof, Jeff Charger appears. I wish. I feel like the Ocean Queen is like a lot more involved and she lets people on. I have a I feeling we'll- she's running the entire Ocean Rebel cause. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe we'll hear more about that in the next book. In which House is of rumored many to be waters. House of Many Waters. Um so, anyways, she had to give up her kids. She's been working for the Ocean Queen ever since. And when Rune finds out that she has kids, he's being kind of weird about it. Um, and, of course, before we get the story, we're all thinking, oh, my God, is she pregnant with, like, Pollux? This is children. But apparently she didn't get together with Pollux until after she came back. Um, so, anyways, um, I will say Rune and Lydia did have an annoying miscommunication trope going on for a while because they just like weren't talking to each other. Um, so not the most mature relationship. Um, but on the depth charger, it becomes clear that he has feelings for her. He makes, well, I guess he makes clear to her that he has feelings for her. Um, and she, he already knows that she has feelings for him. Anyways. Um, when they end up in Avalon, they're working together. Um, they're team archives. And basically, Bryce had this mastermind plan, which wasn't really a plan. It was her just like fishing around for answers, anything that could help them win the battle against the Asteri for the final battle. So they went to Avalon to access the archives because her dad basically let on that it has important information and only male phase of high I don't bloodlines would be able to access it so she went over there and took the gang and so the gang broke up into groups and Lydia and Rune were in the group team archives and they were looking for anything to give them any sort of idea about the Asteri how to defeat them what the land was like before that how to harness powers yada yada I think that sounds right. I think you're right. 
I forgot their purpose. I just remember Team Archives, Team Caves. Yeah. <laughs> At this point. And the um the murder twins. And the murder twins. Those so they're working together in the archives. They get kind of close. Uh, come to find out that Declan and Tristan get kidnapped by the murder twins. Which and I taken like they to the caves. way too lately. They're like, huh. Which they did. Where are they? And they're like, well, I don't know. Back to the books. Around. Considering they're like their jobs are, you know, so tactile. They were real dumb about that. Like, oh, they're probably just letting us be alone so we can fuck it out. No. Your friends do not show up on the time that was scheduled in a land where they already tell you they don't feel comfortable and you know other people hate them and you guys are the outsiders. Why Why would you think they're just bailing on you without saying anything? I'm still stuck on your fuck it out. Which, which was, was a, so accurate. That's a, that's a beautiful phrase. I like that. That's exactly what Rune thought his friends were letting him do. Well, remember, because before they think they leave to go to Team Caves, they're all like shacking up in a barn because that's the only place they could all be together. I yeah. Think. I can't remember if this is before or after, so please forgive me if I mix it up a little bit. But they like start to get a little hot and spicy. You know, oh, like, I think Ew, it's we're after. in the barn with you. Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. stop. It's laugh. after all of it happens and like the yeah. castle falls. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, oh, that's why they're in there. That's when they're trying to fuck it out. And everyone's like, ugh. We're like, like three hail, hail bales away from you. Bryce is like, stop it. Um, and us, the reader, are like, dear God, thank you. Please, something. Someone give me some action. <laughs> so while they're in the caves, Bryce thought she had masterminded and had imprisoned her father. But he got out and he got together with Morgan, Mordor, Morvin, whatever the Cormac's dad's name is. And they go to confront Bryce. Um, and tell her what a disgrace she is and blah, blah, blah. I think she stabbed her father, but then Rune cuts off his head, which is great. I'm glad Rune was able to do that. Uh, um, like not just cut – remember, not just cuts off his father's head, but like skewers it like a like a toothpick to a meatball and picks it up. I was like, hey. You're just like, it wow. Was great. And I will say um, when Bryce was at her father's house, like – she stressed even more how much this man had tortured his son. And we you know what? We were never really given a good reason as to why he tortured Rune as much as he did. I Other think he was trying just- to elicit more power from him and thinking if he's like under duress or if he's stressed, the power oh, that will he'll rise like- up to like meet him, I, I guess. It was just um, – that's not how that works. And I also up. love that Rune had his moment where he realized the Oracle's – prediction that the bloodline dies with him didn't necessarily mean his death yeah and so that was beautiful to see him fully kind of like joyfully embrace that to be like Mm -hmm. this is what she meant which is why i think i mean there's many reasons i think where he had zero remorse about toothpicking his father's head but you know (laughs) i think yeah it was a nice burden lifted off his back when he realized that's what this meant that's a good point so yada, 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 stuff is happening. As Bryce's final battle plan is coming together, uh, we find out that Pollux has kidnapped Lydia's children. And she, of course, is going ballistic. And before they go invade the Eternal City, they're like shacked up in some random house. Um, and I will say I thought this part was weird, even though we finally did get some sexy time. Lydia was basically like, help me to forget what's going on. And she and Rune finally get it on. Finally. It took way too long. Finally. 
there should have been like some like hate sex at some point yeah uh-huh. yeah like in the depth charger like that's where that should have happened yeah no in the depth charger the only thing was he like was sniffing her neck and like trying to get like hands right and, and then feeling, she like walked but, into like, the door or walked yeah like walked into her room and so during this scene ruin was basically like i know i know what's happening and at this point this is when i realized that they were mates like i already had a very strong suspicion but once he was like i know what these feelings mean but he didn't like want to think about it i was like yep they're gonna be baited so anyways we're at the big battle at the eternal city lydia's looking for her kids she's going nuts at some point she's rushing towards them and rune is like she's gonna get herself killed and he like shoots her in the leg and she fucking loses her mind and she's like i'm never gonna forgive you whatever not the case lo and behold they rescue the children and Somebody kills Pollux. I think Rune kills Pollux or she kills Pollux. No, she sets Pollux on fire. Oh, yeah. She goes full fire goddess. So in part of Bryce's storyline, we're going to talk about how the Asiri have put a parasite in the waters of Midgard that basically suppresses the full potential of their power. So Hypaxia, because she's cool, she works on the antidote. And when Lydia takes the antidote, um, she's able to um, bring forth the fire of her ancestors. And we come to find out that Brannon Galathinius is one of her ancestors, hence why her son, one of her sons is named Bran. The other one is like Acetus, Actus. They call him Ace. I was calling that kid Acetone in my head. And I'm like, that's I not the right name. I thought it was Acetone too. <laughs> It's not. I mean, it's I not. know it's not acetone. They call him Ace, but it's like Ace, and it's like a- Ace. Acetus it looks like it's or something. It's like, yeah, Aceton. I don't Aceton? know. We're just gonna call him Ace. I'm glad you also like had a moment of like acetone. <laughs> like my brain was like, I, I'm seeing the letters there, but I just cannot come up with a name that just rolls off the tongue for me at this moment. So we're just going acetone. <laughs> acetone it is. We're going to call Mace. Um, that sounds better. They call Mace. So anyways, so yes, uh, Lydia is descended from Brandon Galathinius. Clearly, we don't know how the Fae from Irelia got to Midgard, but they did. Um, maybe we'll get that story in House of Many Waters. Maybe we'll get that story at some other point. Um, but anyways, and then lo and behold, um, her children do go back to their adoptive parents, um, but they do visit from time to time. So Lynn and Rudia, Lynn and Rudia. <laughs> Lydia Rudia. and Rune. It's a couple name. Rudia. Lynn and Rudia. Rune and Lydia um, end up renting the apartment underneath Bryce. Um, and it's a two-bedroom apartment. The second bedroom has beds for the kids for when they come visit. Soon. Uh, I love that because when kids first meet Lydia, like obviously she's, I mean, she tore every healing device from her body to go find them and they have no memory of her. They know of her, obviously, because I think that their adoptive parents are a same sex couple. So like, obviously we know we didn't come from mom and dad or dad and dad. Yeah. And one is in, cautiously interested, which I think is Brand. Brand. But Ace is like, who the fuck are you? Stand back. Like, they're very standoffish. And so when they have this final confrontation with Pollux 
and they get to see their mom being badass and even Rune is like, come on, she can handle this. I'll take care of you guys. And I think they got to see her in a new light, which gave them respect, maybe not for not full understanding, but respect for why she did what she did. And so I love that they still went back to their adoptive parents, but had more of an open relationship to be like, okay. Yeah. Also, just going back there really quickly, the kids recognized her from the news as being the hind. Lydia the Hind. So they knew who she was with her reputation. They just didn't know that was their mom. So that's a lot to digest. Yeah. Like, hey, your mom is the famous hind who supports a cause that's opposite of your cause. And everybody knows her as the Asteri's pet and like eyes possession and then lo and behold you're supposed to accept that uh she's a spy and been working on she's your mother yeah it's a lot to reconcile in a very short amount of time for their little teenage brains i mean look how long it took rune and his very adult old man brain old fey brain old fey brain old fey brain um so yeah uh so rune and lydia look like they're on the road to happily ever after Love and them. that's it. Okay. That's how the book ends. And that's that's all we got, folks. Bye. <laughs> We're just getting warmed uh, up. Here we go. Okay. Really quickly. Uh, Ethan and his fucking feelings. <laughs> <sighs> so... We're going to talk about the Ethan storyline. Um, I do appreciate his concern for the frat pack. That's what I've called them. I don't know if somebody else called them, if I made that up. I think I no, that. I think that's widely accepted as who they are. Okay. Wait, can we just like that title just threw me back into someone else we know that's a wolf dog and super fucking whiny and annoying as shit. Yep. Seth. 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 So now I can't unsee it. Oh gosh. So, I had liked Ethan too. Now I'm not just, gonna be able to how okay. okay. I I don't like I don't want to get into it. But how has this man survived so long with just, like, the shitty problem-solving skills that he has? You guys said Therian was lucky. No, Ethan is lucky. Therian is resourceful and uses the people around him. I just I – just, Therian, okay. th- you're, to your, you're right. Therian is like, oh, yeah, I got my contacts. Like, I'm going to work them. Ethan's just like a hapless puppy. Like, who yeah. who can help me? Anyone? He he literally just stumbles onto things. He like, fails up. He fails up. Fails up. He fails up. <laughs> he fails up. Okay. Again, do you appreciate his concern for the frat pack? So he has some redeeming qualities. So he anyways, he convinces everyone to go look for Therion, um, which means that they have to go to the Viper Queen and they go with Sigrid. And it just so happens that Sabine comes after them. And this is like we didn't really talk about this, but either Flynn or Declan shoots Sabine's face off when she comes and confronts them. And what's the name of the other wolf? Amelie. Perry's sister. Amelie has to like give her like first light potions so like she can recover. Because anyways, because Sabine had caught the scent of like Sigrid. So and I love it. Like she'll only be down for a few more minutes. And you're like, man, to get your yeah. face shot off and just bounce back up fresh as a daisy. What a time to be uh, alive. To be a to be a fae. Yeah. Um, so anyways, the Viper Queen gives them sanctuary. Again, like these morons making deals with like the devil. And Ethan goes to like confront her and he's like, you have to let us get out. Like, you know, we have stuff that we need to do. We need to go find our friends. The Viper Queen's like, okay, well, you need to have a fight. And it's going to be 
a match, whatever, for my own pleasure. Nobody else is going to watch it. And the entire time that this was happening, I don't know about you guys, but I was screaming at him, you need to ask her who you're going to fight. There was a lot of things I was screaming at, at him about. That was the one. Also, what happens if he fails? Yeah. I thought for sure Ethan was going to die after this. I for sure thought he was going to die. And I wasn't sad about it. I don't think he had I wanted him to his die. Purpose. I'm trying to sit with it and go back to Caitlin from like three weeks ago. I didn't want Sigrid to die, but I wanted him to come into his own a bit more and like just kick the shit out of her a little bit more, I guess. And then like he won the fight, I guess. Yeah. So he accidentally wins the fight when I mean, he, he does. cuts off her head. Right. But yeah, I want it to be um, like a clean fight. For her to be like, I yield. And he's, yeah. you know, that kind of fight. So anyways, he accidentally kills her. Oops. So while everybody's fleeing the Viper Queen, which, by the way, the three sprites that were there, um, they, like, set the Viper Queen's place, the meat market, on fire, which I thought was pretty awesome. So anyways, they're fleeing to the boat that's supposed to take them to the depth charger. And they get to the dock, and Ethan's like again, tortured over his feelings of, like, killing Sigrid, that he stays behind. And this was probably one of the dumbest things that he could have done, but whatever. So what does he do? He goes to House of Flame and Shadow to look for Jessica because he's convinced that Jessica can help him. She's like, hey, you are really good at history, according to Bryce. I need an assistant. I will help you find a necromancer, um to like bring Sigrid back, but like you need to be my assistant. Also, lo and behold, for whatever reason, she opens up to Ethan about her past. And this is when we get the Jessica backstory that she was originally a priestess for the library of Parthos, you know, and whatever. They all cared about like education and knowledge. Look, I love your note. You said here, like of all people, it's Ethan. Because that's yeah. so true. Like <sighs> Jessica. At this point, because they were getting along so well and she was opening up to him, I was like, oh my God, they're going to end up in a relationship and they're going to bang it out and we're finally going to get a spicy scene. Like, I was about to take anything at this point. I feel point like it would have been like a younger, younger pup situation. Like, I would have been here for it. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, it would have been like a professor student vibe. I yeah, feel like. but like reverse, you know, like a Lance Darcy. Mm. Yeah, no. So, Didn't happen. come to find out. Also, I said it before in reactions. I don't love how we got this information. It felt too no, easy. I hate it, it came too easy to us. And all he did was ask. And yeah. again, I wanted so some I like liked, big reveal. I liked, I liked the reveal. I didn't like how it was revealed. Yes. Correct. I um, like her storyline. Yes. I thought it was a, a cheap way for her to tell it to us. Yes. Um, so anyways – Hypaxia eventually arrives. She was delayed because we find out that her witch coven overthrew her because they don't like necromancers because apparently the witches from the House of Earth and Blood are really prejudiced against Flame and Shadow. Yeah, it seems like they draw like a hard line in the sand. Like, no necromancy here. Thank you. Yeah. Which, which I feel like, mm. whatever. Also, Anyways. again, little pup said, I'm going to go to Jespa, even though he knows a necromancer really well. I, you know, just... It's like the lights are on, but no one's home. Yeah. I wish I could explain Ethan, but I can't. No. 
No. I love okay. how it sounds like he has a master plan. Like, and I walked into House of Flame and Shadow, and he's like, I know no one. And you're like, well, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, he knew obviously just what was there, but like he, I feel like you kept thinking he was going to have this master plan, and then he's just winging it with a, a wish and a prayer. Yeah. A hope and a dream. That's all our Ethan boy has. So Hypaxia he- comes. Oh, my God. Sorry. And- I was going to say um, his whole like when I was a – what sport is it that he was playing? The Sunball. Sunball. Which he quit like five years ago, seven years ago before, after his brother died. He kept going, when Sunball captain, Sunball captain, when I was doing this and this and this. And I was like, can you calm down now? It gives like me you were beyond retired. Those vibes when someone's like, like I was all-American. high school football yes. player. All-American in high school. And everyone's like, bro, that was like 15 years ago. You You peaked then. Sit your beer gut belly down. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the Sunball um, Field Holstrom. Oh real God. life consequences here. Is Sunball supposed to be like baseball or football? I want to say baseball maybe. I thought it was like basketball. So, I actually have I, no clue. I don't know. If somebody, I was picturing it as baseball. <laughs> if somebody can get back to us, that would be Oh, it's a field. Thanks. So it's got to be like a base. I actually can't remember now. I don't know why just hearing it now. It's like, oh, it's definitely basketball. And then you said field again. I'm like, nope, that's not how that works. Hmm. Okay. So maybe like a rugby. Anyways. All right, go ahead. Continue. Oh, maybe it is like rugby. Like rugby. Okay. I like that. That's an option too. Yeah. So Hypaxia comes and for whatever reason, Hypaxia has the worst luck when she's being a necromancer. Um, and Sigrid comes back as a reaper. I do want to say um, our friend Danya Liu was saying – did Sigrid choose to come back as a reaper or did like she get possessed by a reaper because they were like, oh, you look like a tasty body we can inhabit when we come back? I was under the impression that she was given two options to continue on with her life or to come back as a reaper from the Underking and she chose to become a reaper. I... There was something underhanded with the underking that like came in and like made her a different offer, like something of that choice. Where like Hypax is like, "Come back, I will save you," and she's like, "Or you can be this terrifying creature and enact your revenge." And she's like, "I choose revenge," and that's Sigrid. where I think she made that choice. Sigurd's an asshole. Okay, so in all of this, whatever she comes back, now he's like doubly worried that he caused this. Um. Whatever. The stuff with Bryce is happening and we come to find out about the parasite. So Hypaxia starts working on the antidote um, for the parasite because remember, she's also a trained medwitch. And by this point in the story, I think the video, Bryce has released the video about the Asteri and how they're terrible. And so Ethan decides to go to Moonwood, which is where the wolves live, um, to convince them to like you know, join the cause against the Asteri. And, but when they get there, he finds that Moonwood is kind of like, um, like semi-abandoned. Like a bunch of the wolves were like, you know what? There's some shit going down. We're going to leave the city. So like only a few of them are behind. It's like when uh, college campuses let out, like summer vacation yeah. and like everyone just clears out. Which I thought was kind of weird that the wolves out of, all, out of all the shifters would be like, mm, there's some shit going down. We're going to, hightail it out of here instead of like stay for the fight especially because most of them are in the ox yeah so they're like part of law enforcement like they should be here for the shit to go down so it's just interesting that they're like yeah we're on holiday take a little breather yeah no summer break yeah so anyways 
he goes to Moonwood to convince the wolves and he has this big speech and Sabine comes out and she's like, you're dead meat. Amelie also comes out and is like, you're dead meat. And then the astronomer, that asshole, shows up with Sigrid and Sabine and it looks like they're basically um, making it seem like Ethan killed Sigrid on purpose so he could try to um, like take over the wolves but then the prime comes out and he's basically like no sabine you're out of hand and if there's anybody that's my heir it's going to be ethan and craziness ensues sabine kills her father which i felt bad for the prime because he's a little old man he didn't deserve to go that way he didn't deserve that so anyways shit goes down ethan ends up killing sabine ethan is now the prime of the wolves I, I like I feel bad for the wolves. I I do too. Like we're getting a very inexperienced. I'm leader. trying I'm He's trying young. to think of like what's a good analogy for Ethan. And I can't I, think I of like Ethan is the JV football player, quarterback, fourth string coming Who up. Got called up to varsity because there were so many injuries. Correct. And everyone's like, you are a chosen leader? It's just like we knew he had the potential all along. I was hoping he was going to have that growth moment here. And he technically did. He went to Connor in the underworld and they had their moment and whatever, whatever. And he had a new purpose. But like he never had that full growth where I'm like, okay, you are a leader. You can lead the pack. All we got was old, old man saying, you are my heir. And that's it. He's just like, you know who Ethan me? reminds me of? He's like bumbling. He's like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. He just skedaddles around with his gang and he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? My brain was like, oh, instantly I know what she's going to say. Um, But I took a different route. So <laughs> I was thinking like Kung Fu Panda. And you have the wise tortoise, who's the prime. And then you have Kung Fu Panda, who is like, you will defeat whoever the bad person is. I mean, yes, that's also it. But like when I was talking about Ethan just now, I was like, I cannot get the picture of Scooby-Doo out of my head. He's just so clueless and walking around trying to defeat every ghost with his friends. And he's the one that spooked the most. And then like always <laughs> triggers the booby traps. And you're like, oh, it's Ethan. <laughs> If he's Scooby, oh. then uh, I would say Therion is Shaggy. Yep. yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And Declan is a combination of Velma. Declan and Flip are a combination of Velma and um, and Fred. <laughs> Two voices of reason. <laughs> so crazy. You know, I usually were like, oh, and the Scooby gang just, you know, to say that. But this is true. They are the Scooby gang. Scooby gang. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So another thing that Ethan does is uh, he goes to the Eternal City to join the fight because Hippaxa gives him a bunch of the antidotes and he, like, loses them all. Okay. Thanks for nothing, Ethan. This part annoyed me because she's very clear. Do not jostle these. Like, great care went into making these. I have only a limited amount of Hunt's lightning that I have to use to stabilize these. They all fucking break. Everyone they give them to. Who? Ethan and Therion, I'll break. Like, you have one job, bros. One job. Don't break this shit. And they're like, whoopsie doopsie. Broke the ball. So, yeah. So, basically, Ethan's storyline ends with 
maybe he and Perry are going to be a thing. Perry being Amelie's sister yeah, like and her her Omega. Yeah. So like the weakest one in her pack. And I don't know. He apparently likes that she smells like strawberries. <laughs> yeah. That's what I got out of it. First lady of the wolves. If he's yeah. a prime. Okay. Let's move on. I feel to bad our- for the wolves now. <laughs> I do. I feel bad for the wolves too. Like Danica was supposed to be your leader and now you've ended up with Ethan. I mean, the best part, honestly, is that Sabina's dead. Fuck that heifer. That fucking heifer. Fuck that heifer. Um, okay. And the astronomer, right? Didn't he go and too? I think he died too, maybe. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure she was sucking up souls left and right. Yeah. The under king, oh, the under king died too. I forget how, but uh, Hypaxia is now the leader of House of Flame and Shadow. Ta-da. Yay. Okay. He kills uh, him at some point when they were underground. Not underground, in the underworld or whatever. They went to go, Bryce went to go talk to him. He On quarter, right? Yeah. Or something. He acted uh, like. No. Yeah. So he went with, he as an Ethan went with Hypaxia because Jessica sent them there to like get something, right? I don't remember. And then um, Hypaxia. No, he had to go talk to him. his brother. He had to go talk to his brother because he yes. heard him howling. Right. He and then he's like, oh, I have to go talk to him again. Which, again, we were like, why? But now we know there was a purpose. Right. And so Connor, you know, did that thing and gave him the bullet. He turned our souls into a bullet. Don't miss. Oh. I forgot about the bullet. Yeah. She uses – Bryce ends up using the bullet, right? Yep. With the God Slayer rifle? Yep. Okay. I did miss Connor, though. I was happy to see him. He would have been a great prime. You have an obsession with Connor for someone that, like, we read about for, like, five minutes two books ago. But I remember this because she's like, oh, I really (laughs) loved Connor. And, like, when we were doing – there was, like, an immediate bridge. It was like, welcome to the team, buddy. You can be on the wide shoes. And then she's like, I I like to picture him clear as day. I don't know why. And I've I've just – I'm attached to him and I'm attached to – Who's Aelin's first love? Sam. And I'm attached to Sam. Yeah, first love attachments. That's cute. A tragic first love attachment. Yes. Yeah. Both of them are not. Honestly, that not tracks is my first love still hits here. Oh, gosh. Also, oh, Connor Lord. had like a weird like aerial thing happening where like he couldn't speak because the Underking like stole his voice for a little while. I don't know. Like, what, I saw- what was that about? <laughs> I still don't I understand. Went, Ariel in my head did not translate to the Little Mermaid, and I was like, Ariel, like Ariel here, helicopters, like what? Oh yeah, like Ursula, like you know, the sea witch, the Underking witch. Yes, yes. Which oh, was so funny because like he couldn't speak, and there's this whole thing where he's like, I'm trying to tell him, but he can't tell me because Ethan's being an idiot, of course. And then the Underking dies, and he's like, oh, thank God. He was like, not like me, he's my voice. And we're like, what was the point of this? So <sighs> crazy. Ethan is such an idiot. <laughs> it's just stupid. Okay. I love him. Oh my- boy, this boy's dumb. Go ahead, Hilda. Let's go to – let's move on to Therian and his bad decision-making. Speaking of boys who are dumb, let's continue. Right. So my the first line of my notes, I just need to say, is just like the face palm emoji. That, that's that's all you need to know about Three of Therian. them. Three of them. Three facepalm emoji. Okay. So. The decline switched, of Therion. 
he switched allegiance to the Viper Queen. He's addicted to her venom, which strangely enough, for someone who has an addiction, he was able to beat it quite quickly. Anyways, his friends Again, come. it's fantasy. Yeah. His friends come and save him. The entire time, he's just like, you should have like abandoned me. I'm not worth saving. He's like in his feelings all the time. And he's very he touched it- that they do come to save him. Yes. But at the same time, he's like, you shouldn't have done that. He's also high on the venom at the same time they come. It's so just he- like, it's just, it's weird. He has a weird dynamic with Ariadne, the dragon, who like shows up for like 2.5 seconds. Now and there's then- a couple that needs to fuck it out. You know what I mean? I do like that phrase, fuck it out. Should we make it a sticker? We should. We should. More characters should be fucking it out. Like We're not going to talk it out. Miscommunication no. trope? Just- who is she? We don't know her. We don't. Just fuck it out. Yep. Okay. So anyways, he gets to the underwater boat city. Depth charger. Yes. I do prefer the underwater boat city. It's very um, clear what it is. <laughs> and uh, the ocean queen demands to meet with him. And she's basically like, you've pissed off my sister, the river queen. And I need you to stay on this boat until I decide what I'm going to do with you. So Therian's like, if I stay on this boat, I'm not going to be long for this world. And when everybody decides to hop off and go to Avalon, um, he jumps off with them. After getting uh, very clear orders, do not get your fishy ass off this boat. He's like, yeah. hopped over no. the railing, like no questions asked. Even Bryce is like, what the fuck? Bryce did because save his ass though. She did save his ass. She did. It was the River Queen and the Viper Queen is after him. Yeah. Because the Viper yes. Queen is pissed at him for bringing trouble to her door because the little sprites blew up her place. And so she's blaming him. Yeah. And the Ocean Queen's mad because she's like, you pissed off my sister and now she's going to be pissed at me. But I don't really have a choice but to house you here. So like now, now you done pissed me off as well, boy. And everybody thought he was going to obey the orders, right? And as they're getting on their little life. boat. To go to Uh-oh. Avalon. Is it Avalon? Avalon. 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 Um, this bitch hops ship. Yeah. So trouble follows him. So anyways, mm-hmm. we get to Avalon. When we're in Avalon, we meet Sathia, who is Tristan's sister. Apparently snooty sister. And uh, she is being treated poorly by Morvan, Morgan, Marvin. <laughs> Mordred, Mordor. <laughs> it's like all these names you're getting. Marvin. Whatever. Whatever. Hold on. Now I have to look up his name. What that asshole name? fake king's name is. And because Avalon is so backwards, apparently you can't have unmarried females going around. And he's trying to get her married to one of the murder twins um, who are creepy, hence the name murder twins. And uh, for whatever reason, Therian decides to say, okay, well, I'll marry her. I don't even, like, want to get into the psychological analysis that would be needed to explain why Therian would step in and do this. He gives the excuse of, like, well, if my sister was alive, I would want someone to, like, step in and save her. Therian, would you want a hapless wanted merman that has like pissed off all of like these house leaders to marry your sister not just that but they're like um are you sure because they don't get divorced 
the so like, don't you're get in this for the long haul. And yeah. He's just, like, yeah, no problem, whatever. Like he's, it's like you asked him, like, hey, can you pick me up? Like, more, just like bring me somewhere. He's like, yeah, no problem. Like that same yeah. amount of thought went into thinking this through. And then, and then, and on top of that, though, you're like, okay, well, is he so like sneaky that? The other reason that he's marrying her is because he'll now have protection of the Fae. Yeah, he's not thinking that. But, like, no. That wasn't even part of, like, his reasoning. It was just, whatever, here I am. I thought at one point he did admit that, like, now that he was married, he couldn't leave the island. I don't remember that. He was thinking he shouldn't be able to leave the island because he's like, I'm wanted man. Like, now I'm dragging this woman along with me. But, I mean, honestly, she said yes very quickly also. I guess your your options are the Mortar Twins or, like, this dumb idiot. And you're like, well, you're a dumb idiot, but you're not going to try to kill me any- or worse. Because, honestly, they're yeah. all just about, like, fey babies. So, ugh. Yeah, and you're right. It is Morvin. Morvin. It also helps that okay. he's attractive. So. I mean, yeah. Attraction never hurt nobody. You know what? I, you know what? Like, Murder Twins. Yeah. Attractive dumb idiot. Like, well, come on. Yeah. It's like. Jamie Fraser. Well, it just made me think. Sam Hewen. Um, did we? I think you put it. Someone put it on. Was it our IG channel? I saw this where it's like my ideal weight is Henry Cavill's weight. <laughs> yeah, <I> did. <laughs> I'm like, that's probably what she was thinking. She's like, well, yeah. you know. Okay. Could be so, worse. Anyways, he also joins the fight in the Eternal City. Also breaks a bunch of the antidotes. Thanks a lot, Therian. Um, another thing we find out is that Sathya, his now wife, um, she, her ordeal, her fate ordeal, because don't forget that the fae go through this, it's just, it's called the ordeal, um, comes to find out that her friend, whose name is not Connor, but for some reason that's what I think his name is, I feel like it starts with a C. Uh, um, yes, her her it's the one of the Viper Queen's assassins. Yes, so her friend was like in love with her, and I guess went and asked her father, uh, but because he didn't come from like a rich family or whatever, the father rejected, and maybe she also rejected. I could have just totally made that up, but anyways, he's now addicted to the Viper Queen's venom. Finnick from Hunger Games is Therian. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yep. That's who I picture every single time I'm, we're talking yeah. about him. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's Sam Claflin, I think is yeah. the actor's name. Um, so anyways, so Sathya goes and like leaves Therian because she needs to rescue her friend. Can we be honest? now. I hated that. I hated that she's like, oh, I know we just got married to like save each other and we're kind of on this good vibe. I, I'm going to go. I hated it. So – I don't necessarily think that she's in love with her friend. Maybe she just wants to rescue her friend because nobody should be addicted to the Viper Queen's venom. I don't know. It just seemed like, hey, we're now an attached duo. Come with me. But I guess yeah. like, you can't because you just piss off the Viper Queen. I I don't know. It just feels like more – it shouldn't have been a note. It should have been a conversation. We're married I feel now. Like I was just looking forward because they did build a little bit of a, a dynamic there when yeah. mm-hmm. um, – they were spending a lot of time together, even though it was like a couple of scenes. I was like, I really like them together. I want them to become a not a powerful duo, but like a good duo. And yeah. I thought that was going to be like 
his saving grace. Like, this is what's going to bring him back. I'm like, I think this marriage is actually going to be good for you. And he's like, yeah, I think it is. And then she's like, adios. Bye. He's like, bye. I need to go save my friend. Like, that again, not even a conversation, a note. Yeah. Like getting broken up with a post-it. And he was like, he just accepted it. He was like, yeah, okay. Oh, wait, did we go talk about how the fact that he went back to the River Queen? He went back to the River Queen to ask her to take in um, refugees, basically. The people, basically, before the huge fight with the Asteri, because at some point the Asteri had sent, which I thought, so I did think this was weird. So the Asteri have, what is it, the like doomsday bombs? Brimstone. The brimstone bombs and doomsday. It was a doomsday. It was doomsday. <laughs> it was doomsday brimstone. All in the book of Revelation. Um, in House of Earth and Blood, when they initially launch the brimstone missiles towards um, Crescent City, I got the impression that they were like completely devastating. Like it would yeah. take out the entire city. So apparently now the Asteri used some brimstone missiles to take out the section where the humans lived. Yep. But the entire city wasn't devastated. I thought I did I don't want to say that that was a contradiction, but it kind of felt like it was. Like I think uh think of it like a targeted attack, like I guess I thought the brimstone missiles though were like their damage radius was huge. Yeah, that's right. I didn't remember that from the beginning. And so I so whatever they it was like a couple city blocks and the whole you know it's like if yeah that's actually the proportions don't work i was just thinking if it's like new york city and you just bombed like lower manhattan devastating in that area but largely there's still other people but yeah i don't know, I don't know. i'm not sure it's not that big they'd bombed the human places as you know retaliation against bryce because she's half human and we're gearing up for the war with the Asteri. So Theron goes and begs to the River Queen, um, you know, to take in the people as they're trying to evacuate the city. So to minimize the loss of life. And she's like listening to him, but then her stupid spoiled daughter comes and shows up and she's like, but why are you married to her now? Blah, 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 blah. And whatever. She's like pitching a fit. And he's like, well, I'll I'll divorce her and marry you then if you'll take people in. And then at that point, it was just like, sir, sir, did, did we just come back to the point where you're in this mess because you didn't want to marry her? And so now you're just like, I'm going to marry her? After he just went out of his way to save this girl. I, so And like told her, I would not get divorced from you because I know like – I'm basically the Faye don't divorce. The Faye don't divorce, and if I do divorce you, you're basically damned. And I was like, zero "You're growing, Darian. You're growing. Turn zero discussion. And- yep. Isn't, isn't there a song by Green Day, "Walking Contradiction"? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I, like there was zero thought in his brain. He was just like, "I'll marry you," and you're like, "God, we were just here." One step forward, ten steps back with this like, one. This is the second time you've been like, I'll marry this person. You're like, oh, God. It's no, like, what? you're not even thinking with your dick because you don't even want to screw these people. You're And you're not thinking with your brain. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell him, you about him. Like He has a, little, he has a little goldfish brain. 
Yeah, probably. But you know what? He, like, has... he was the captain of intelligence. Like, there's got to be He's more than two brain cells firing at once. Right? I think the last book, or maybe even the first book, I was like, I love this guy. He's it's great. Swagger. He's on his shit. The first, bit, the first book, he was so awesome. Yeah. Uh, he had, like, a personality strip. Not even, I like, know. he regressed as a functioning adult. I don't know. That's true. He did. Okay. So anyways, lo and behold... His fae wife has left him. Um, he does not have to end up marrying the River Queen's daughter, um, but she still takes in refugees, and he's just kind of there. We assume we that he'll be We also did making- learn why the River Queen wanted um, Sophie's brother so badly. Oh, because she's also been, I guess, part of the resistance against the Asteri. Right. And so I thought that was interesting because it – in the last book, it came off like she just wanted it because she wanted it. was like an object to covet. Like she just wanted this thing to say, I had possession of it. But there really was more to it. Where she was, like, to your point, she was also helping. So I thought that yeah. was interesting. Also, we come to find out that the mere people were here on this land before the dairy. Right. So mm. they remember what it was like before. And I think that's why they're. All in cahoots to try to overthrow the series. in this together. Because we never Through the seas and we fly through the East Rose. Swim Hilda, through the East Rose. You... <laughs> I see what you did there. See what I, I did? see what you did there. Thank you. Okay. Anywho, let's talk I was trying about. To figure out what, instead of wildcats, what would they be? But the, the mermaids, the shifters. They'd be yeah, the otters, the humans, of course, obviously. The, the otters. Did you guys see the um, artwork that I posted? Oh, my God. The yeah. They're so, like, little Amazon workers in their little vests and their little whiskers. Should have gotten, gotten more otters in the story. It was okay. an otterly – never mind. I was trying to make a pun. Okay. So we've got – Exactly, because I like the effort. Okay. It was an otterly dis- disappointment. Otterly devastating that there was no <laughs> otters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, we're almost at the end. Okay, we've gotten to Bryce. Bryce. Bryce's story, aka Dollar Store Aelin, as she's being called. I call her. Agree. Agree. Oh, what was the other thing someone called her? Tamlin? Tamlin 2.0? Yeah. (laughs) Which is way harsh. It's really harsh. Way harsh, Ty. Okay, so whatever. We know that she's in Prothean. She's talking to some of our favorite people. Um, Reese ends up transporting her to the Hewn City and basically the dungeons there. And she's being very cagey with her answers and not really, like, giving them much. But, like, they also know that she's being cagey. And anyways, they leave her in the dungeons. Um, She decides to escape, which, come to find out later, we realize that Reese had figured out that she would try to escape. Um... The six-pointed star on her chest is basically acting like a homing device. Um, and like it's a flashlight her, beacon. It's like she it's turns her chest her and it lights up brighter. Yeah. So she knows where to go. Um, so she's going through the dungeons, following this path. She gets attacked by the Middengard worm. Lo and behold, we find out that Nesta and subsequently Asriel are following her to escort her to wherever it is that she's going. And she keeps picking at the scabs in her hand so she can leave a trail of blood so that the worm can come and attack them again. And it does. 
and Nesta and Azrael are distracted. Um, and so Bryce uses that as an opportunity to like ditch them. Um, but then her conscience comes into play and she's like, oh my God, what if I kill them? And then she goes back to fight them and to find them. And she finds out that they basically tricked her and uh, the worm keeps coming back and Nesta ends up using the mask. She ends up using pieces of the of the dread trove um, to defeat the worm. Which and I have commentary on that. And I can't say this is my own. This is from Colleen, one-time co-host, sister of the podcast. I know she's listening. Um, she brought up this point that Nesta had to pull into her dread trove objects to be able to defeat the Midgard worm. Or to fight mm-hmm. it off. And her human sister, who was sick with like various infections, did this yeah. by herself. By no herself. magic. By breaking some bones. Yeah. And impaling it. Like so. Hmm. Asriel, with his seven siphon, couldn't destroy the worm. So I'm like, just this some mad respect for Feyre in this moment. One of the few times we can respect her. I said that. You did. And there was silence. I was like, what? I said that. That was harsh. I'm not a Feyre fan. I'm not a Feyre fan. But I just like the way she killed him. You know what? There was like a lot of inconsistencies, I feel, with like plot points in this book. Colleen, again, also pointed that out as well. Like, just, I don't want to get into I feel like the worm should not have been that powerful at all if Feyre was able to kill him. Like, using the bones of its body yeah yeah it shouldn't have so been anyways. this like let me oh that i gotta use the dread trove like we're gonna fight this thing that's annoying and she'll use it as a way to escape and she'll come back she feels bad and, like that's it that's all where it should have ended right because if it was that powerful they would not have been able to use it in the trials to begin with with all those other fey under the mountain bring me an, an ator adder you know adder. adder that would have been good like there's some weird hybrid cave adder yeah you know? It was weird. It was weird. Um, so Bryce witnesses, I guess, the Dread Trove's power in that point. Um, they're following, again, this path. There's underwater rivers, canyons, whatever. At one point, Azt has to, like, fly them over. I don't know. Uh, she kind of has, I guess, a couple of moments with Nesta because Nesta tells her, like, I was chosen to go with you because I... The first time I made a bargain, I ended up with like a six pointed star tattoo. And you have that six pointed star on your chest. So they must mean something. Lo and behold, they follow the path. And we think the path probably led them to like some type of word gate. Um, but they end up in the prison. And in the prison, um, they find the room where Nesta had gotten the harp. And that room converts into like some other type of chamber and lo and behold, they stumble upon Celine and Celine is Thea's second daughter whose name we never knew in the world of Midgard. We only know Thea, we know Helena and now we know Celine. So Celine is like a hologram recording. Like a hologram diary, like a dear diary. Today mom goes- yoinked us across the universe to... <laughs> Midgard. Yoinked is, yoinked is such a good word. I don't feel like we use it enough. No. Um, so we get the full story from Celine of like what the fuck is going on. And so 
Thea was married to Fion, who was the high king in Prithian, um, but he wasn't going to give her the throne when he died. So she like plotted against him with Peleus, the general. And then um, I forget the part of the story. They open up a portal, um, essentially taking what we now know is the Dusk Court over to Midgard. Mm-hmm. And the Asteri are there, um, although they don't know it's the Asteri. And then whatever the yeah, history they happens. The Daglin, but then she, she wants to explore. She wants more Thea power. wants like, to explore. Yes. Yeah, like she now she, she wants knows more that power. they told them there's more worlds. She wants more worlds. She's getting a little um, power hungry. And so she takes them over to Midgard, and then eventually she finds out that the Asteri are terrible, and she's trying to overthrow them. Um, and was Helena and Pelias that was working with the Asteri. He's like, this yeah. is why you should go to Midgard. Yeah, he was working behind her back. Yeah. Peleus is an asshole. Also, when they plotted to kill her husband, the king, and then dumped his body in a bog, did you catch that? Because I was thinking, I wonder if that is, I remember when Nessa retrieves the mask down the bog, there's like an old king. She's like, he must have been here for a very long time. You can tell he was a king. And he's one of the dead that rises. So I wondered if that was I thought that. Oh, I didn't think about the part where he rises. I did have that thought. Anywho, okay, carry on. Anyways, so anyways, come to find out, Celine was in Midgard, and she ends up using, I think, the harp? Um, so there's a big battle in Midgard. Helene realizes, um, no, Thea, I'm sorry. Thea realizes she's wrong, and she has to get her daughters back over. She's trying to get them back over to Prithian. Is that right? Yes. Prithian. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get them over there and then uses the harp to get Celine over, but Helena goes back to buy her more time because of the attack that was coming their way. They were going to get attacked by wolves or something. Right. There was something that was coming to attack them, and she knew that both of them couldn't make it out, so only Celine went back. So Helena, like, sacrificed herself for her sister. Right. But then all the people that couldn't get over that also were about to be attacked, that were running to try and, and escape, only – like selfishly, only Celine went, not taking yeah. everyone else with her. So Celine lands back in Prithian and she tries to like hide her story while at the same time leaving her story for her ancestors or for her not her ancestors, her descendants. Yeah. Um, so that they know the truth. And of course the story's been bastardized along the way, but basically we find out that Thea is a jerk, although I guess towards the end she repented and wanted to save people. Celine's a selfish asshole. Helena's a selfish asshole. Like, none of these Fae have any redeeming qualities, which now further complicates Bryce's feelings about the Fae because she thinks the Fae are asshole. And seeing all of this stuff from Celine further reinforces that the Fae are asshole. But you know what, Bryce? You're an asshole too. Yep. And we also learned that uh, Reese's line is descended from Selena's line, and this was her. And that's where I think we get he gets come into that, that story. I'm uh, not story. Story night, shadowy mm-hmm. powers are from her line. Now it's very, very far, which I know we all bitched about, like and rightfully so. That like there were many generations apart between them. Which for Rune and Reese too look so much alike. I mean, I guess if you're Faye and you're living for like hundreds of years, maybe it's not that far. But like, well, like even, years. 
Because even so, Asriel comments that Celine looks a lot like Reese's sister, which, of course, this would lead to why Rune and Reese probably look so much apart, since Rune is also descended from Helena. Yeah, because Rune and Bryce are descended from Helena. Oh, no, on their father's side. Um, Probably mother's side. side. That would be where they... It's from the Autumn King side. Is that... Yeah, because it's the part of their family that they're related. It's only, yeah, it's the only part that would make them... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> well, because, you know, I was just thinking through, because, I again, tripping up, like, the generations and, like, the shared similarities or not shared similarities in their features that Bryce is red and fiery, like her dad, but Rune is dark and mysterious, like Reese. Like, Reese is also, like very dark tan mm-hmm. and so they're just i don't know so anyways we find out the story um this cave of secrets though doesn't end with just celine and her hologram come to find out there's an asteri buried there Chilling? buried there Napping. like sleeping beauty. um more like sleeping horrors so Bryce in true Bryce fashion is like, oh, the Asteria, the very thing I've been warning you about. We've been walking through all these caves to try and get back to you and save. Let me just let it out of the box. And like, and like, no wonder. And then she's like miffed so annoying. that Reese, that uh, uh, Asriel and Nesta are like, what the fuck? And she's like, what do you mean, what the fuck? It's just like this whole thing where you're like, I come on, how did you think this was going to end? Because they barely made it out of this, of that. And she she's able to use... The mask. Truth, truth oh, no, teller. At this point, she doesn't use the mask. No. She's able to use the truth teller and Gwydion, the star sword, um, to defeat the Asteri. And then um, she basically abandons Az and Nesta. Yeah. with Because she takes truth teller from Az. So she leaves. She's and kind of thief at this point. She's like, still in this. Okay, thanks. Bye. She arrives at her father's townhouse back in Midgard. And so what we think is an unfortunate accident. Apparently she actually planned it. Um, And she's having all these conversations with her father. And I really thought at some point that her father was going to get a redemption arc. Me too. Um, But alas, he is an asshole. And she's like pumping him for information because she wants to, she needs to figure out how to defeat the Asteri. Because she finds out from Celine that, you know, if the Daglin were able to be defeated, there has to be something that tells us how to defeat them. And she guesses that her best bet is to go to Avalyn. Um, So she does that. She imprisons her father after, you know, again, thought he was going to get a redemption arc. He seemed to be remorseful that he had ever hit her mother and that he's been sad about that and that he lost her. But it's all bullshit. She imprisons him. She leaves. She ends up on the depth charger. Uh, she walks in. She like saves Therian's ass because she's like, I am Bryce, queen of the Valbaran Fae, and this man's been working for me the entire time when she confronts the Ocean Queen. Anyways, they end up on Avalon. She tries to get, what's his name again? Marvin? Marvin. Morgan? M-A-R-V-E-N. Merlin at this point. Marvin. Marvin. I didn't know there were so many M names. Marvin. Uh, Marvin? Marvin the Martian. 
she tries, she's basically like, I need to get access to the Fae archives. He's like, nope, I can't give you access because you're a filthy woman. And she's like, fuck that, bro. (sighs) Whatever. Eventually, she gets access to the archives. So again, there's team archives, there's team caves. They end up going into the caves. She's with Hunt. Oh, they're looking for Peleus's tomb. Um, Yes. Apparently, you can get lost in the caves, and there's ghouls in the cave. I, like that I don't ghouls. know what a ghoul is, but apparently they're creepy and freaky. Creepier than a ghost? Creepier than a reaper? Right. I don't know. So they get to Peleus's tomb, but then Marbin and her father are there, and he's basically like, I can't believe that you tried to give me your father's diaries, um, and you thought you could bought me buy me off with that but you're just like a filthy female fae or whatever and then she's like no i knew you would do that and uh she gets a confrontation i think she stabs her father um but then rune shows up and finishes killing him and then um they also end up killing marvin the morvin (laughs) morvin whatever the fuck his name is (laughs) cormac's dad and McCormick um, Spice. McCormick Spice. So when that happens, we find out that the magic in Avalon has been suppressed all of this time. And Bryce is somehow able to like awaken the magic and Avalon becomes even more beautiful. Um, and she's now the queen of the Valbaran and the Avalon Fae. So she's able to control the mists. And so she allows anyone who's seeking refuge um, to get through the mists. I was interested um, too about Avalon because they always talked about them being old-fashioned. And like I thought it was just kind of them like, oh, they're so old-fashioned. But like they really were in like the yeah. Amish times of the 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 Fae because they the didn't – medieval. Medieval, yeah. They didn't touch yes. anything from when Peleus was there because of their old, old ways of thinking. Like we can't just, you know, touch what the warrior has brought us, Peleus. Like everything must be the same. And so you picture this kind of like this dreary, dark, misty, like cold English countryside. And then we're Scottish Highlands. Scottish Highlands. And the sun comes out and it's a beautiful, sunshiny day. And like the grass is green and trees are flowing, uh, blowing in the wind. It's beautiful again. Uh, big transformation. Yeah. Right. Wasn't it because the powers that, is it Helena or was it um, Thea that she used to capture Peleus? Um, all that power was drawing the magic from the lands and basically rotting it. So once like Bryce had gotten rid of that, it kind of revived itself and it was acknowledging her as the savior, basically. Sure. That sounds about right. Something like that. Yes. It was uh, some of the prophecy when the two swords unite, show so shall our people. I don't know. I don't remember now. I don't know. (laughs) It's been too long. I remember the first part of the book really well, not the second part for whatever reason. Yeah. I just I remember my the brain and Lydia timeline. That was it. Yeah. Because it's the only one I cared about. I think because at this point, my brain started to realize, like, things are not wrapping up the way I wanted them to wrap up. Yeah. And my brain's yeah. kind of like, oh, God. Okay. Let's just see. We'll keep, we'll keep going through. I'm fighting, I'm fighting what could have been versus right. what actually happened. Right. So Bryce is like, okay, we have to take on the Asteri. She has Hypaxia working on the antidote. She tells everybody about the stupid parasite. Um, this is the part where 
okay, up until this point, Bryce was really annoying me because, like, she was being an asshole. And obviously, she has she's prejudiced against the Fae in a very, like, unironic way. But then the fact that she was discounting Hunt's feelings really upset me. Like, I'm not over this. I Apparently, it's a lot of people. That's why they're calling her a Tamlin. I cannot believe that she would discount his feelings. He had every right to be terrified. Mm-hmm. Every stinking right. And she was just kind of like, Are you with me or you're not? You and it was very me. like, it was just, ugh. It was very like toddler tantrum time. Up until this point, I really liked Bryce, but I just, I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked by her attitude. Just she big for a britches kind of attitude. Yeah, disappointed. So, anyways, they go rage the war in the Eternal City, and they're trying to like bomb. Was it the first light bank um, to cut off the Asteri's food source? Oh, wait. Before that, um, she goes to that place in the north where the northern rift is. She takes her parents, but not her adopted brother. Which we talked about our thoughts and feelings on that, so we're just going to skirt on over that. So she takes her parents, and then she opens up a portal into Prithian. Mm -hmm. Uh, She shoves her parents through, and she begs Nesta for the mask. She's like, I really need the mask. Please give it to me. Nesta, for some reason, gives it to her, even though Reese is apparently on his way to, like, come kill her. Um, Obviously, he hasn't forgiven her for the way that she behaved um, when she was there a few days ago. Um, But she, like, begs Nesta to take care of her parents because they're human. Whatever. Okay, so we're back in the Eternal City. Um, She's having it all out with Regulus. She's able to kill one of the Asteri, I think. One of the female. Yes, I can't I'm remember assuming. her name, but the, he, she does kill them. But it took up a lot of energy. It took up more than what they thought. And she was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to kill like all. Because now they know. Of them. She, she's now they know to her cards. And so now they're yeah. staying far away from her. Wait, hold on. Hold that thought. Can we reverse back? when they were, they were in Avalon and they were in the archives and before her dad showed up with the king, his cousin, they basically like mind traveled to hell. Oh, yeah. And they spoke to the princes of hell and they made the arrangement like, you open up the rift and we will send our people and we will help you destroy the Asteri. And we also like find out very important information about Hunt, which we'll probably cover in Hunt's section of the timeline. So that's why they traveled north. And so she told everybody she was going to open the rift to let Hell and their people in. But she sent her parents to Perithian first. Then the, she opens the rift to Hell. And now we we're starting the entire battle. And that's where she kills the first Asteri. Good point. So she ends up entering this confrontation with Regulus. And this is the part that was kind of confusing because they kind of like ended up in outer space and there's no oxygen. So she dies. And well, this is where things get a little off the rails because you're forgetting two things that happen. So she uses the mask. Wait, wait, wait. There's the mech, the mech suits. Remember the Asteris? The Asteri had developed the mech suits. And apparently they eventually got to the point where they didn't even need like a veneer to operate them. And Bryce has the great idea. 
let's use all the souls um, that have not become first light. That's from the wings of all the fallen angels that the Asteria have decorated in their throne room. And so now, so all of the spirits of the angels are able to enter the mech suits. Now I have questions about this because I want to talk about this. And that includes Hunt's ex-girlfriend. Shahar. Shahar. So she, I'm forgetting the the how behind this precisely, but she um, brings them all to life. Oh, she rises it with a mask. That's what she does. So she rises all the fallen wings from the mask with a mask. And basically it's like thousands of butterfly wings. Like the, we're, uh-huh. we're just flapping around. First light. First light. Um, okay, yes. This is not actually wings. It's just first light. So I'm like, how do they enter the suits? Like just drop our wings on the floor and like our soul continues on. I just had a – how is this working question? So there's like ghost. It, ghost wings are flying yeah. around? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a little weird, but they're I into think it. Not all of them became wings. Some of them, the entities went straight to the mech suits to like do whatever they needed to do. Yeah, like what were the winged people doing? They were fighting the rest of the battle. They became like fully fledged ghosts at that point. I think so. Okay, so it wasn't just like butterfly wings, like papel with my feathers. You know, <laughs> it could be. I don't know. I don't. It, I, it, was, it was a little was- unclear. SJM usually does a really good job with battle scenes. This one was the not fact it. that we're so confused about what was going on. The only thing, the other part that I think I remember is that the fire sprites had gone to go look for Erethus, mm-hmm. and they find her and they bring her back. Um, so Erethus and the fire sprites are um, waging hell. Yeah, and they're fighting alongside Along- Lydia. Alongside Lydia, who is able to get one of the antidotes that didn't break by that was transported by Tweedledee and Tweedledum. <laughs> and um, she's like able to awaken her fire magic um, and whatever. They're burning a bunch of shit. Yeah. And she's just like fire walking through the battlefield, like pew, pew, pew with her fire. Yeah. And I think she does. She ends up roasting Pollux alive. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Before she left yeah. the um, – I was very because she talks about like pulling into the dregs of her power. I'm like, ah, oh, she's gonna burn out. She didn't. No, she seemed fine. She didn't. Um, uh, but there's like a black hole. Oh yeah, she unites the swords. Bryce unites the swords. Yes, and that's what triggers a black hole, which is what Thea was afraid of doing to defeat this series the second time because she, she was unites. Yes, Gwydion and Truthteller. Yes, and so getting sucked into the black hole, which is like space, and. But there's like an, another black hole at the end where like it's like the point of no return. Like you pass this point, you're gone, right? So like and, there was this void yeah. where like they went into this in-between space, which was space, and then there's the black hole at the end. So like they're all silently screaming, clawing at each other to not – Yeah, because there's no sound because there's no sound in space. Correct. Apparently. I've never been there, so I don't know. Allegedly. And there's no oxygen, I guess, so she ran out of breath and yeah, she Yeah, so she died. She died. She died. But then, and then um, the Mech Scooby Gang, Shahar and Hunt, or Hunt takes over her suit, the suit that Brings Shahar her. is in. They fly through the void. They're swimming they through space her. to get Bryce. And Regulus ends up going to the void and all the other Asteri. This was a little. They bring her. So they bring her back to Midgard and she's there. And then the Princes of Hell are there and Jessica 
comes up. And so Jessica, as part of Jessica's reveal, we find out that she and Apollyon yeah. have beef. Um, and so she's able to beg Apollyon for her life. Um, and Apollyon at first is like, well, it doesn't work that way. And then I don't know what Jessica tells him, but it does end up working that way. So she gives her life for Bryce. So Bryce comes back. Jessica dies. She fulfills her purpose. She left her all the books. Um, Bryce used the bullet with everybody's first light souls to, I don't know, shoot somebody. I forget who. Um, And yeah, that was kind of how that happened. And then as to Hunt and Baxian, their story, uh, they got tortured a lot. Uh, Baxian chewed off a hand. Um, We find out that Hunt is essentially a test tube baby. Mm -hmm. And I thought it seemed like Apollyon and Thanatos kind of gave. They all gave a little like I feel like they all just put it into one big cup and we swirled it around and hunt. Just yeah. So um yeah. So he I guess is a prince of hell, but like not really. I don't know. And so he actually was very torn up about this because he's like, oh my God, am I a demon? Am I a terrible? He was having a weird existential crisis about this. And Bryce was like, we'll just talk about it later, okay? the entire time. Yeah. And Bryce was being a bitch to him. I will say though, weird existential crisis, like he's trying, like he's, his cause is to like, you know, free the slaves. Sir, you are not a monster. Right. Even though you've done, you know, some terrible things. And you're oh, bred of uh, monsters, but they bred you to do good things, so. Yeah, so, and I don't know. And uh, that's it. I think that's that's the recap. Yeah, we all thought Baxian was not long for this earth. We thought he, he would lived. be the one to die and make it sad. He wasn't. I could have done, I think there, sh- there should have been some devastating loss that should have hit us at the end of this. Someone I'm also not. over her, like, the main character dies and she just brings them back thing that she does. She did it with Reese. She did it with Feyre. Oh, yeah. This is her. I'm so annoyed but, with like, it. But, like, I Aelin like, didn't die. She traveled through worlds. But we had a loss at the end, like, the, again, spoilers, the 13. The 13. Gabriel. Like, those were all losses. Mm-hmm. I wanted a loss. There needed to be, like, a loss. Like, Jessica went sweetly. It wasn't, like, a sacrificial loss. Look, I'm still torn up about Connor, so I can't take any more at this point. We did lose Danica. Danica never came back. Yeah, but we lost Danica in, like, the first 7% of this book. The series. Um, okay. I think that's all, folks. (laughs) So, that is our recap of, uh, House of Flame and Shadow. Sorry. I almost called it the wrong book. That's a recap of House if it was a little disjointed and I'm fading towards the end, but I think we, we had all the main points. We, it was a lot to try and to wrap up into one, but we were confident we could once we switched to this POV method, which I think made things a little bit easier for us to talk through. You know our thoughts and feelings. Those are captured in two different parts when we talked about uh, reactions to the first 50% and, of course, the last 50%. So if you felt that we held back a little bit, that's why. Go listen to those ones because those were live reactions. And this is uh, your little recap of what happened. Um, But before we go, before we go, let's get into some Spotify questions of the week. And surprise, surprise, they are all 
related to House of Flame and Shadow. So our question we had up um, from our House of Flame and Shadow reactions part two, um, which you guys, it's still up there on Spotify. You can still go up there. You can talk to any of the questions we talk about in um, that are posted in our Spotify questions of the week, and we will talk about them live here on air. Um, live. We'll talk about them live. live. (laughs) It'll be on air whenever you listen to it. Yeah. Like I'm a radio host. (laughs) It's the headphones. I know. It's the whole thing. Um, So the question we had posted were, are you happy with how Hofast ended? Would you have changed anything? Steph said, honestly, I love this book. I didn't read any theories, so almost everything that happened surprised me or left me happy. Mates. Just wasn't a fan of Lydia as much as Hunt. Bryce was so annoying, though. Well said. Mm -hmm. Haley answered, well, Therion's story is diff coming back, but I felt like Bryce's Hunt, Bryce and Hunt's story felt like it was ending, but the ending wasn't meaty enough for them, you know? Mm-hmm. I do know. It's like yeah. angry with that one. A little too clean. Like, there was too much up in the air, but it was too clean. I don't know. So, Keisha Robinson answered, this was my least favorite SJM book by far. I almost DNF'd it. Hunt and Bryce were so underwhelming as a main couple, and the ending was rushed and underwhelming. It was a 2.5 star for me. Girl. Yeah. I feel the same exact way as you do, so I, I get that. I also rated it a 2.5. I was, all, I was between a 2.5 and a 3. I gave it a pity 3, but it really, my heart of hearts wanted was to give it a 2.5. It was too high. I think I said 2.75, maybe. Um, Fiona uh, said, overall, I'm happy with the ending, but I wish Aelin and Rowan were more present or were present in aiding to the defeat of the Asteri. Oof. I told you. That was my prediction. I really wanted them to be there, just like in uh, the Avengers style. Honestly, I'm glad that didn't happen, because then I would have been pissed, because the story she wouldn't, wouldn't have, have done it right. Yeah. yeah. Not with the There's story no the way guarantee. it was going. So we had some more questions, some more answers to this question. Are you happy with how the story ended? Would you have changed anything? Our friend Michelle said no. The Asteri were defeated too easily. I'm assuming that's no. She's not happy with how this ended. Uh, they were defeated too easily. I would have liked more twist turns in the final battle, but instead they were outsmarted by Bryce, who had a couple weeks trading. Yeah. Through love, all, all is possible. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Thank you, Michelle. Ashley Cole said, I finished CC2. I finished CC2 two weeks before Hope Fast came out. And didn't deep dive into the theories. I really enjoyed the book, and I think SJM did a good job portraying flawed characters in a fucked up world. Well said, Ashley. It is a fucked up world. Yeah. Claudia said, not happy at all. I would change so many things if I could, but the biggest one would be Bryce staying dead. I know SJM doesn't like killing main characters off, but it means there are no real stakes. That's I mean, true. Literally just said that. <laughs> Snaps, girl. Snaps. Three seconds ago. Uh, and Paige said, I'm happy they got their happy ending. There's some stuff I would have changed a teeny bit, but overall, I like the book. I was surprised Baxi and Liv. Girl, me too. All of us are. I thought he was going to be the Gavriel in this. See, Gavriel. It makes me sad that Gavriel died. Yeah. And Adian never made up with him because Adian's a dumb dumb. I know. Yeah. <sighs> Another dumb fay. Uh, Lauren McBride answered, and she said, I wish the parts with the Akatar characters were longer and that Bryce got to interact with more of them instead of mostly just Nesta and Asriel. I wish Bryce wasn't so annoying at times. I love Hunt so much. Anne Moore said, overall happy, but honestly thought someone would die. Like, I get it. It's fantasy and absolutely none of this is real, but I found it hard to believe that they defeated intergalactic beings and no one died. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not one single person. Nope. Not one single person that we cared about no no one in the final battle yeah 
Agree. We needed more high stakes. It was too it had to be more high stakes. It wrapped up too cleanly. Too cleanly, but not neatly. Right. It's like a, mm-hmm. a wrapped present where it's like, it's wrapped. Is it nice? Mm. No. Do I want to open it? No, because it looks a hot mess. No, I don't. Our friend Danya Liu said, I'm happy with the ending. I enjoyed the book. I could have done without Sigrid Reaper storyline. Either make her prime and Ethan her beta or give her some better purpose other than to be a stepping stone. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. She was just, what was she? What is she? Where is she? What, who cares? Where is she? Who is she? She we must know be important who. in the next book. I don't know. It's like a Reaper alliance with the wolves? I don't know. Yeah, no. Do we need that? Mm. I don't know. Unless the ghouls are running amok in the city of Crescent City. Oh, what if she becomes a new villain in the next book? Oh. Don't we have enough villains? Oh, you know. No, who's left? Well, the Asteria are gone. The big bad villains always go. Like the mob boss falls. That's when all the little criminals think we can rise up. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, Bryce ends up going back to Prithian to reclaim her parents. Yeah, they're not stuck there forever. (laughs) (laughs) And they're mad at her for leaving her brother behind. Which, yes. As I was as well. valid. Um, But she ends up returning the mask to Nesta, who was getting a lot of shit about it from Reese. And she also gave Nesta uh, the star sword, a.k.a. Gwydion. And I think that was part of an excerpt chapter. It was. I was just going to ask, did you guys read all the bonus chapters? I didn't read all the bonus. I just read that one. Um, I think one of our sweet fans had DM'd us someone who had – it's saved in their um, IG yeah. stories. And so I started to go through that. But it was a little bit hard because it was like actual screenshots of each page. And like it had kind of warped a bit. And I was like, this is this is too much for my eyes to take in at this moment. So I, I haven't haven't dived into them. But I would love to know. Maybe that's going to be a question. If you Did you read the bonus chapters? Which one was worth it? Was there anything good in there? I think the Ember and Randall one was good. I think it's the one I started with because I was like, hmm, you know, I got to bring it back to Akatar. Like, what other what other yeah. glimpses into the world can you give me? Well, that is it for us tonight. So you can, of course, go back, leave us your thoughts and feelings on what you thought of this book. You can hop into our DMs. We've been chit-chatting with everyone on this. Um, you obviously can find us at booktalkmademe underscore pod. Um, and we appreciate anyone who takes time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. You guys help us find more friends who love these books and love to talk about them with us. And of course, of course... If you want more of us, you want more unhinged things, you want some special behind-the-scenes stuff, you want access to goodies, you want access to prizes, well, friends, you can hit up our Patreon to keep this platform ad-free, to keep the unhinged thoughts and text chains that we talk about. Uh, All are available for you in the Patreon at different subscriber levels. We have um, two new ones that have joined recently, so we see you. We are so grateful for you, and we are... (laughs) Hope you're not judging us too much for the crazy screenshots we're adding, but I hope it's bringing you joy. Um, that, of course, is available in our link in bio if you're interested in supporting our little show. Anything else from you, ladies? Nope, it's bedtime. It's bedtime. Let's go. So is, I think this may be our longest episode to date. This is almost two hours. At, this point. at least this year. This year, yeah. Definitely this year, not We've overall. had longer episodes, but yeah. Well, if you made it this far, thank you. Love you. And good night. Bye. Bye.